0: Welcome into 444.com. dot to the most accurate podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. My co-host, as always, is John Paulson. How you doing, John?
1: I'm doing okay, Anthony. I am still smarting uh, from our league that we're in together, where you picked before me in every round because it's a straight one through twelve, one through twelve draft. I happen to have the second pick; you have the first pick. I guess that uh, goes to, to show how good of our advice is <laughs> on this podcast. But we had a, we had some injuries last year. Um, we did, and we, and we didn't uh actually, I, I think I started tanking at one point, but um, you took in the, with the last pick in the first round or the first pick in the second round, you took Corey Davis. I had them all ready to go. This is a keeper league. So there's a, there's definitely an emphasis on youth. If you pick a guy and in his first or second year, he hasn't finished in the top 20 at his position, you can keep him for an eighth round pick that year. So there's some benefit there if you get some young guys. And I was all ready to take Corey Davis. I'd taken, uh, Sammy Watkins in the first round and you taken Leonard Fournette. Yep. Uh, so you got the number one running back, number one receiver, uh, rookie receiver this year. Very nice pick. I ended up with Martavis Bryant, so I couldn't be too mad at you. I, I wanted, I, I did like Bryant there as well, but, uh, I, I think I texted you some
0: expletives. You did. Yeah. So you were very nasty with that text message when you, when you sent and I, and I responded with love you. That's what yes. I said.
1: And then in the next round you took Marcus Mariota seventh round effectively. And I was really worried you were going to take Doug Martin because I kind of wanted him there. And then you texted me and said, I almost took Martin. And I was like, if you had done that, I was going to quit fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I did
0: seriously consider Doug Martin. I really liked him, but I couldn't justify. And I think I said this in a text. I couldn't justify taking another running back because I already kept Jay Ajayi and I kept Shady. So once I took Leonard Fournette, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't do another running back because I, I believe we only start two in that league, right? You can only start you two. You
1: can, I think you can actually start. Yeah, I think you can only start two. You only have to start one. So it t- does take the emphasis off the running back position.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I don't know if listeners care about this, but we always talk about fantasy strategy. And for those that don't know, I, I joined this league, John. What do you think? I mean, you guys have been doing it for eight, nine, ten years, right? Before more, I joined,
1: more than that. Yeah, it's been since I was in Memphis. So this is this is going on twenty years, or fifteen years, probably fifteen to twenty. Yeah, somewhere in so there. So you,
0: as you can, as you the listener can imagine, it's it's a it's a really good league. It's very competitive. Everybody knows what they're doing. And here I am. I jump in probably four years ago now, and the team I took over. Uh, I'm not making excuses. It's just that the keepers were awful. So my strategy has always been: once I get into the draft, I'm always going to go young. I know I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna kind of get beat up for the first couple of years, but I need to improve these keepers. So last year I finally hit on Michael Thomas. I took a, I took him fairly you know i i I was targeting rookie rookies even though i knew you know a lot of times rookies aren't going to have that impact so when i landed michael thomas so i have michael thomas uh jay ajayu who i took fairly you know early last year probably earlier than what he should have gone but anyways i improved my keeper so this year after after a new york jets style tanking job i'm hoping this year john i can finally compete in your league
1: and the interesting thing is that when you said, "I don't know if anybody cares about this," whenever anybody says that, the answer is nobody cares no. about this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering how people are fast forwarding through this part of the podcast right now. fair
0: we, enough, we that's fine. I, yeah. I don't, I don't blame people whatsoever for that. But let, let's move on before we jump into kind of the meat and potatoes here, John. Tell us about the the music that helped brought us in.
1: Yeah, it's a band called uh, Them Vibes, and they're based out of Nashville. Uh, it's the second track off the. Uh, album that's entitled electric fever the track name is also electric fever i added it to the most accurate podcast playlist which is on spotify Uh, if you can't find it when you're on spotify go to uh, the website com. look at any of the podcast posts uh and there should be a link there for the to get to the to get to the playlist if you want to follow it listen to some of the music that we've uh, played on the podcast
0: this is what we're going to do on this podcast. We are basically going to treat this podcast as kind of the final thoughts before the final draft weekend. I know that a lot of people have already drafted, but but people are always in multiple leagues. So if you have a draft coming up this weekend, I in fact do, kind of consider this our, our final thoughts before the season. So we'll dive into Ezekiel Elliott's situation, give you an Andrew Luck update, John's final thoughts on those guys, and then... um I think this is interesting because with Julian Edelman now out for the season, we'll kind of talk about who to target on that Patriots roster for for wide receivers, and then dive into some other news and notes. But uh, without further ado, let's let's give you, you know, give you an Ezekiel Elliott update. They're they're still going through the appeals process as of Thursday, August thirty first, and that's that's the day that we are recording this podcast. Adam Schefter of ESPN.com believes that there's a real chance that Ezekiel Elliott's suspension is going to be reduced. Uh, both, the, both sides, so Ezekiel Elliott's side in the NFL, hope that there's going to be a resolution fairly quickly. And the Dallas Morning News, John, reports that the Cowboys expect that Elliott is going to be available for week one. Uh, two separate questions here. What are your thoughts on the, the suspension appeal and then I've been seeing Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott go in the second round of every draft thus far that I've been uh, a part of. What are you seeing with people and how they, at- how they attack Elliott's draft position?
1: Well, part of this is uh, uh, Mike Florio uh, commented on Pro Football Talk, and it was basically saying that if, if the suspension was not overturned, then Elliot's next step was to get in, to find a judge that would give an injunction, uh, grant him an injunction, which would allow him to continue to play uh, while he fought this in court. And Florio basically said that if that happens, then it's in all likelihood with the way the court systems work and how fast things move, uh, then Elliot would play like very likely play a full 16 game season. So, this is a huge deal from a fantasy standpoint because you're going from a six game suspension to uh, it being deferred until at the earliest 2018. And you, you have Elliot going with pick 18 or 19 right now in the middle of the second round. Uh, that would be a huge boon uh, for those owners to willing to take the risk on him at that point in the draft. If, if this thing is either uh, if if he doesn't, if it's deferred, or if Schefter is saying, as Schefter says, he's pretty plugged in, so we should listen to what he says. You know, maybe the NFL doesn't want to go through a whole another court case involving a suspension. Maybe they're willing to cut the suspension to three games or to four games or or to whatever. So right now, I have him basically projected for a, a missing five games, uh, assuming four games of suspension and one game of injury. Or if you want to go with a five game. Uh, suspension, uh, and he's coming in at about seven and standard, and I th- believe eleven or twelve in, in PPR format. So you you get to that one two turn, and you start looking at some of the running backs coming in in that second round. Do you do you want an Elliott who could play a full season, uh, or do you want uh, Demarco Murray, Jordan Howard, um, Devonta Freeman, uh, guys like that, Ajayi? Um, I, you know, Devonta Freeman, J.J. Jai, I would still take those guys over Elliot. I think after that you get to where, well, maybe it's worth it here to take him. Um, you know, this news is going to depress Darren McFadden's stock a little bit. Uh, maybe you can get him in the 10th round, ninth, 10th round, maybe a little bit later because everybody's assuming that Elliott's going to have the suspension reduced or is maybe going to be able to play the whole season. And it's, it's maybe worth the worth the risk at that point um it it sort of depends on what you're willing to do as an owner and the risk you're willing to take on i mean worst case scenario he he's suspended for six games at the end of the season uh in playoffs like they could right, defer the, the the court, court case could be rectified in in october or something and then all of a sudden he's got a su- service suspension in crunch time um but most things here point to me to a reduced suspension or no suspension at all in 2017. So I think you know of the, all the, the wide variety of things that could happen. I think we're looking at between zero and four games of suspension. And I think that puts him right at that one-two turn. If you if you're not comfortable with the receivers there, if you don't want Gronk, and you want to maybe take a roll of the dice here with Ezekiel Elliott, and you're willing to live with uh, live with the downside, um, then then go for it. Uh, I, I, I'm doing the, uh, FFPC, uh, draft on Friday evening. It's one of the main event drafts. I have a co-owner that I'm, I'm working with. I'm going to talk to him tomorrow about this. We need to come to some sort of conclusion as what we're going to do with Ezekiel Elliott. Cause he's, we're picking 10th. And so we have that 110 pick. We have the 203 pick and that's prime real estate right there. Uh, for, for a player like Elliot, and we have to decide if that's what we're going to do. I'm sort of leaning towards a, a different position, but we need to talk about that. And I think every owner, before they draft, they need to figure out at what point would they take Elliott and what scenario would they take Elliott because the upside in the playoffs, if he's available, is great.
0: Well, I think that's important that you, you mention a couple of names there. You wouldn't take Elliott over Devontae Freeman or Jay Ajayi, but – Things get a little bit more uh, interesting once you get past those names. So I, th- I think that's, I think that's pretty good. I, and like I said earlier, we I've been a part of three drafts now. One is one is our keeper league, so that doesn't really count. Um, but the other two drafts, he was going high second round in both in both leagues. So just I know that's kind of um, you know small sample size there, but it gives you an idea that people are still willing to draft Ezekiel Elliott high in the second round. I don't I don't think. I don't think he's going to fall to you in the third round. You, you're going to have to make the decision that John is talking about.
1: And if I could add, uh, I'm just looking at the FFPC, and I'm, I'm using this ADP now because a lot of the MFL tens have stopped drafting, and you really want to take a look at the last three or four days. So I've got 38 drafts here, main event over at uh, fantasy fantasyadhd.com. Uh, it's a great site that uh, has been compiling uh, MFL 10 data, FFPC data. And you can, and this is tight end premium. So the tight ends are a little wackadoodle here. Um, but the rest of the positions, guys, kind of gives you an idea of where, uh, sharp, high stakes drafters are taking these guys. And, and right now, Ezekiel Elliott is going with the 14th pick. So it's right there where at, at 203, we're going to have to decide, uh, if we want to take Elliott.
0: All right. Let's, let's talk about, uh, another interesting dilemma that fantasy owners are facing right now in their drafts. Uh, although, this isn't as impactful as Ezekiel Elliott, or, or you know, this isn't uh, as controversial. What do you do with Andrew Luck? Um, Chuck Pagano had some very interesting comments about his quarterback on Monday. Pagano said, We're moving forward with the guys that we have and the guys that are practicing. I'm not a bookie. I'm not an odds maker, but I'm not allowed to put numbers on it, Pagano said of Luck. And then Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, also said that. He's not going to divulge any sort of timetable when it comes to Andrew Luck returning, and he said that on Wednesday, which was yesterday. So how should owners handle Andrew Luck? And I think this is the most important question, John. Is he worth pinpointing at a certain point in your draft, or is he completely hands-off? And then how does Andrew Luck, that that situation with Scott Solzine starting, how does that impact T.Y. Hilton,
1: Jack Doyle, and then Dante Moncrief? in terms of your draft well from a season-long standpoint i've definitely downgraded the the passing game for the colts because i'm I'm now assuming that luck misses a couple games so that hurts you go from luck to scott tolzine for two games uh that downgrades ty hilton who is looking like a great pick right at the end of the or at the start of the second round Uh, i was happy to take uh Uh, Hilton in the first 15 or 16 picks, especially in PPR formats. Uh, Jack Doyle was one of my targets at tight end. Uh, you know, he's going to step in there, uh, for Dwayne Allen who, or he actually outplayed Dwayne Allen last year and now Dwayne Allen's in New England. So you have Jack Doyle as a starter, but you can't really trust either one of those players, uh, in week one. I mean, you could start Hilton with Tolzien, but what are you going to get? And, and certainly Doyle is downgraded to like a fringe, uh, to kind of have a desperation start with, uh, Tolzien under center. Uh, so it downgrades the whole passing game. I never was high on, uh, Dante Moncrief, uh, at all this year. So he's never been on any of my teams. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with him, but you know, luck is going in this FFPC format. He's going in the eighth round. Uh, I saw the last few MFL tens, uh, going in the ninth, ninth round. And, uh, you know, in this FFPC, he's got a standard deviation of 25 picks. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a good two rounds there, standard deviation. So he could fall into the middle of the, of the 10th round. And at that point, I'm willing to think about it because, you know, you could add uh, Andrew Luck to your team of, you know, nine, uh, running backs, wide right receivers, maybe a tight end. And, you know, he's a top five type, uh, quarterback when healthy. And you can draft a player like, uh, Carson Palmer, who's going in the 12th. Twelfth round, uh, you could you could draft him. He's got uh, the the Lions, he's got the Colts. Week one, and week two, Dallas, and then he has San Francisco. And then he's got Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, and the Rams through the first seven weeks. Uh, none of those are too daunting in terms of starting him, and certainly those first two weeks, you could probably count on him uh, getting you good numbers uh, there for the for the Cardinals, and that allows uh, Luck a couple weeks to get to get healthy. Uh, another player that kind of jumps out is is Sam Bradford. He's got New Orleans at home in week 1. Um you know, the New Orleans is trying to improve their defense, but they've always been bad against the pass and I think that's going to uh, has a chance to be a high-scoring game. And then uh, he's got at Pittsburgh in week 2, Tampa Bay in week 3, Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay the next 3 weeks, so there's another 6 weeks nothing too daunting on that schedule. Uh Sam Bradford uh, posted QB 16 numbers over the last nine games after Pat Shermer took over there. He's got a nice set of weapons. So you could, you could get him really late, uh, 14th round probably. So if you wanted to, to do a luck combo with Palmer or, or Bradford, that's very doable. Now the word of caution with, with luck is that you go to his playoff schedule and he has Denver in week 15 and at Baltimore in week 16. Now at Baltimore could kind of go either way in terms of, whether or not there's still a difficult passing matchup, uh, for luck there in week 16, but certainly, uh, Denver in week 15 does not, uh, project to be a great matchup for him. He, he does have Buffalo in week 14, which is usually the first week of, of most playoffs. Uh, so that's a, that's a good matchup. So he's got good and then two bad ones, one really bad there in week 15. So that's just a word of caution with, with luck. If you, uh or you're looking ahead to the to the playoffs you you would expect to have him maybe week 3 week 4 and then and get that value from from picking him maybe in the 10th round but I, at the 8th round the cost of an 8th round there's still too many receivers uh running backs that I like you know maybe a tight end like Martellus Bennett uh Delani Walker still on the board there that I like too much knowing that there's a, a quarterback value later in the draft in the form of of Matthew Stafford or Carson Palmer or any of these other players that we've we've been discussing
0: John, I want to ask you about Julian Edelman, but before we get to him, I want to tell you also about Fantasy Football, the the Draft app. If you love Fantasy Football, then you need to try these, mes- these new best ball leagues on our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's a season-long league, just like you play with your buddies, but with no management. You just set it. You forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. What happens is your best score gets automatically selected every week. So it's pretty cool. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes. So you can join one right now if you want. The best part is there's no salary cap and you can play for cold hard cash. So leagues start from just $3. There's leagues for everyone. There's, there's big money leagues There's small money leagues, uh, beginners, experts, whatever you want. They, they have it at draft. It's, it's so easy to start playing at draft today. In fact, just go to playdraft.com backslash 4for4, that's playdraft.com, the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, which is 4for4. Play for real money for free just for using our promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. Julian Edelman, John, the, the biggest question is, now that Julian Edelman is out for the year for the Patriots, who stands to benefit the most in that passing game? Is it Chris Hogan, who emerged last year and is uh, you know kind of an up and up and coming player, but he's not necessarily in the same mold as Julian Edelman? So that's where Danny Amendola comes in. Is 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 Danny Amendola going to be the one that reaps the benefits with Julian Edelman? And then what does it mean for Malcolm Mitchell? Uh, your thoughts on the Patriots passing game now that Edelman is out?
1: Well, I don't think that any one receiver is going to take all of uh, Edelman's work. Uh, Edelman was you know averaging about ten uh, targets per game. Uh, I look at Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's been a career seven point five or so target per game player. Uh, you know, maybe he's up to eight point five uh, with New England. Um, so there's still you know if you're just replacing uh, Edelman in the lineup with Cooks, there's still a, a target and a half, two targets, maybe maybe two and a half targets per game that are going to be spread around. Um, Chris Hogan was the second receiver last year to Edelman, and uh, if you look at his overall season in 18 games that includes the postseason, there was three games in the postseason uh, where he saw 23 tar- 23 targets. Uh, so that's over seven targets a game there from Tom Brady in crunch time, right uh, in the postseason. That's a good sign for his um, his. His rapport with with Brady. Uh, he played at a 49 catch, 900 yard, 5.3 touchdown pace. Uh, that equates to wide receiver, fantasy wide receiver four numbers in PPR formats and low end uh, wide receiver three numbers in standard. So I've got him at 42, uh, 40 to 42 range uh, in those formats. I think he has upside from there. I don't know that you would put him or draft him where Edelman was going, which was like the fourth, fifth round. I saw some fantasy analysts uh, advocating for that. I think that's, uh, I think that's just. A little bit, uh, you're forgetting about the Patriots and what they do. They're, they're not necessarily a one plus one equals two type organization. Uh, they, I think they do try to get their next best receiver on the field as much as possible. I think that's Chris Hogan. Um, but I don't think that he's going to take over everything that Edelman would and, and have the same sort of production. Now, does he have top 25 upside? Absolutely. Um, in that offense, anything could happen. Uh, And if he starts to see seven, eight, nine targets a game and is playing 90% of the snaps, uh, then he could very well finish in the top 20, 25. So it's nice to have that upside there, uh, from your fantasy wide receiver four. Now he's going, um, earlier than he was. I mean, obviously before the injury to Edelman, uh, Hogan was like a 15th, 16th round, sort of a stab in the dark type pick in, in the final rounds. Uh, now he's going, uh, 97th, uh, in the ninth round. And, you know, that seems very reasonable. I would start to think about him, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the eighth round, uh, there's teams, there's a little bit of a drop off there, maybe after Tyrell Williams, Sean Jackson, and you start to get into Chris Hogan. And, and the FFPC over the last three days, he's going a little bit later. He's going to pick 103. Um, so that's what owners can expect this weekend is, is maybe him going in the ninth or tenth round. Maybe you start to think about him in the eighth or ninth round as a, as a player with upside, but he also has some downside if they decide to turn the keys over to Danny Amendola. Now, Danny, Danny Amendola is more of a one to one comparison to, uh, to Edelman, although I think Edelman's better. Uh, but Amendola hasn't been able to stay healthy. So even if he does sort of take over that slot job, um, then he could get injured. And then now you're back to, you know, looking at Hogan there. But Hogan played 50% plus in the, in the slot with Buffalo. Last year it was 20 to 30% in the slot. He was very, very effective on a per target basis. Um, from a physical standpoint, he's faster, bigger. Uh, then Edelman, he's not as quick and short area quickness, uh, as Edelman, but he can run those routes out of the slot. So it's just a matter of who do they want on the field, uh, and who has the best chance to make plays. And I think that's, I think the, the Patriots are going to look at that and say, it's Chris Hogan is the guy that we want to feature here. 89 80, 90, 80, or 90% of the snaps, uh, with maybe, uh, Amendola coming in on some third downs, passing situations and, and playing maybe 30 or 40% of the snaps.
0: Let's also talk about Spencer Ware's injury. He's out for the season. Kareem Hunt, the rookie, is, uh, climbing up, rapidly climbing up draft boards. In fact, in one of my drafts, John, I think he went in either the second or third round. I was shocked to hear his name that early, but people are excited about Kareem Hunt's upside. Where do you think he's going right now in PPR and standard?
1: Well, I think, uh, I think Hunt is, has, Really shot up the draft boards for obvious reasons. I mean, Spencer Ware was a fourth or fifth round pick, but he had Hunt to deal with. Uh, so he had Hunt breathing down his neck, which is why Ware's, uh, stock was being depressed a little bit. If you, if you think about what, where, where, where would have been going without Cream Hunt on the roster, uh, Spencer Ware probably would have been a third round pick going in the middle of the third round, right, right here with Lamar Miller, uh, Isaiah Crowell and all these rookies that we have going, uh, in that round. Uh, So it makes sense to me that he's climbed very fast. Uh, I would love to get him in the fourth round, uh, but I think it's going to take a third-round pick. Uh, to get him right now. His, his ADP is 33, uh, in that FFPC format over the last three days and 38 drafts. Uh, so the, the big money guys, the, the high stakes players, uh, obviously are seeing something with him. He's going, uh, right after Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Miller, and going right before Dalvin Cook and Isaiah Crowell and Ty Montgomery. So he's in that mix. And part of the reason I think this is so fluid is because this third round, uh, we've been talking it on uh, our pod we've been talking about it on the uh, the 2017 draft strategy series with all the uh, uh, analysts that I've had on uh, across the fantasy uh, the fantasy industry and there's this third round late second round third round swoon and reliable talent and uh, people can move quickly up and down the draft boards in that round because nobody feels great about any of these players um, so if you, f- if you see somebody that you kind of like, you know that hunt. You know, if you look at all these rookies, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, uh Dalvin Cook, uh, Joe Mixon, what is the workload for these guys? Like, You would think that Fournette's going to be a three-down guy, but of course in the preseason when he has been playing, it looks like T.J. Eldon's getting some of the third-down work. We're not sure that Fournette's a great pass catcher. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, a part-time player with uh Jonathan Stewart being the main ball carrier, they're probably going to get 200 carries. That leaves a lot of receptions and how many carries for McCaffrey? Uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, he's starting to look like the safest of this group because he's, uh, emerged as the RB1 there in Minnesota. Uh, he's got Latavius Murray behind him though. They signed him in free agency. He's got Jerick McKinnon who's pretty good behind him. So are they willing to lean, lean on Cook as like a three down player or is he going to be like more of a two down player, two and a half down player? Uh, and then of course, Joe Mixon, uh, maybe the most talented of all these guys, uh, but is currently playing behind Jeremy Hill. Uh, Gio Bernard came in and and played a lot in the last preseason game. Uh, so Mixon's early season workload is definitely up in the air. So if you look at Kareem Hunt, who doesn't have the pedigree of these guys, although he was pro football Focus's number one rated college running back, um, which is a nice thing to have on your resume. Uh, he was, doesn't have the pedigree of these guys necessarily. And we weren't thinking about him in these, in these terms. I mean, I know that he had his advocates, uh, that he would go ahead and beat out Spencer Ware, but now we don't know what would have happened. Uh, but there, there are definitely draft knicks that like him and think that he's gonna thrive in this situation. But from my standpoint, I'm just looking at the workload and it looks guaranteed. And he's in an Andy Reid offense, and they're gonna hand him the ball and, and feed it to him in the passing game as well. And I could totally see a third-round pick uh being justified here. Uh it's it's it seems strange to draft a guy who's been going seventh, sixth, seventh round. All of a sudden, now, three weeks later, um, you know, drafting him in the third. Uh, but that's how fantasy works. When a guy goes down, uh, there's another player stepping into the role and he doesn't have anybody breathing down his neck. So the third round, uh, draft, uh, ADP makes sense.
0: Let's talk about Cameron Meredith, too. Since we're talking about all these injuries, Cameron Meredith is, uh, done for the year as well. Kevin White's there. He's the big first rounder from a couple of years ago, but he can, he can't stay on the field. And then you have Ken, Kendall Wright who just didn't amount to much in, in Nashville over the last couple of years. So um, what do you think of Kevin White and Kendall Wright? And what do you think about Mitchell Trubisky uh, or Mike Lennon and how the, the those quarterbacks could potentially affect the Bears' passing game?
1: Well, I think these two receivers, you know, Rhett White and Kendall Wright, uh, they definitely are getting a little bit of a bump here with with Meredith being out uh, for the year with the torn ACL. uh Deontay Thompson actually outplayed, outsnapped Kendall Wright in the last preseason game after Meredith got injured. So it looks like they're looking at Wright as sort of the, the third receiver there, although he may be end up being the most productive of the three because he's certainly the most established or has the longest track record. Uh, as a rookie, he had 104 targets, 64 catches, 626 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, his second year, he had 139 targets in Tennessee, 94 catches, for 1,079 yards and two touchdowns. He, he kind of st- took a step back in his third year, uh, but 57 catches, 715 yards and six touchdowns. And then over the last two years there in Tennessee, uh, he wasn't able to crack, uh, 416 yards receiving, kind of fell out of favor there, uh, with, uh, the coaching staff and, and the Bears sort of reclaimed him. Um, uh, but, you know, from a, from a here's a, here's what he's done standpoint, right? Of these three is certainly the, the most, uh, has the, has the longest, uh, fantasy history. He's been relevant in the past. Uh, you know, the biggest upside is probably Kevin White, but we haven't seen him, you know, all we're going off is the number seven draft pick overall pedigree. Uh, he's played four games, uh, and he's got 36 targets in those four games. So that's, uh, that's good. I mean, that's nine targets a game. They've shown a willingness to, to try to feed him the ball. The problem is he only has 19 catches for 187 yards on those 36 targets uh, that's for a guy with his speed and physical ability. That's pretty sad. Um, so one of these guys is probably going to end up being fantasy relevant. I can't guarantee that both of them would be, I probably will, would go with, with white as maybe a 12th or 13th round pick, because you know, if he's able to play a full season, he's getting nine catches a game. He's inevitably is going to have some good games, uh, for you. and, And with a 12th round 13th round pick, he's, not too expensive. John
0: Vance McDonald was traded from the 49ers to the Steelers. Uh, Vance McDonald hasn't done anything in the last couple of years uh, with San Francisco. Obviously Jesse James now becomes, I mean, even more irrelevant than he, than he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just being honest. I I don't mean to be mean, but it's not like Jesse James did much outside of catch the ball and uh, basically, you know, fall down at the first down marker. Um, But, Talk about this trade, and then and then anything about San, Fr- San Francisco with their tight end situation.
1: Yeah, M- McDonald did have a few flashes here and there, stretches. Uh, I think it was the end of the 2015 season. They had a few good games in 2016 as well. I think this is they're trying to replace Heath Miller, and that they tried to do that with Ladarius Green, and they saw maybe an opening here with Vance McDonald. He's 27, uh, pretty good physical uh, measurables, and could could fit into this offense if he gets to play 80, 90% of the snaps and, and end up being uh, a pretty good streaming option. Uh, I wouldn't expect things to, to get off to a fast start because he's coming in so late in the offseason. He's got to build a rapport with Ben Roethlisberger and all that, but uh, you know, maybe week four, week five, we start to see some, uh, an increase in playing time and maybe some increase in production as well. Maybe he could be a streaming option. Uh, I don't see him finishing in the top 12 or anything like that at the position. Uh, as for the 49ers, I think this opens up uh, a lot of snaps for George Kittle, who's, uh, he's light for, uh, he's probably 20 pounds lighter than he should be for a tight end, but he's a physical freak. If you look at his measurables, um, at playerprofiler.com, he just ranks in the top 80 or 90 percentile in every, in every measurable. Uh, he had a really nice catch in the preseason where they, uh, ran a little misdirection and they, they dragged him, uh uh, through, through the line and, uh, he caught a pass, uh, turned the corner, knocked a guy over and ran into the end zone. So, uh, he definitely, uh, has the physical tools. Uh, I think John Lynch was the one that, uh, was talking about that he, he, uh, that he offers something that they don't have, uh, on the team, which is a big physical presence in the red zone. Uh, so when you hear that, you know, or when I hear that, my ears kind of perk up and, You know, is this this a player that maybe is not going to start or play starter snaps, but is going to be in all the red zone stuff and could catch 68 touchdowns uh, for for the 49ers? Now, this is not a good offense, necessarily. You know, Kyle Shanahan has his work cut out for him. Uh, You know, Brian Hoyer, quarterback. But they don't have a whole lot of passing uh, options. Uh, They've got Pierre Garçon, who I love, is a volume play. Uh, And then after that, it's it's a big free-for-all for for targets. And uh, Kittle, if he comes along, could end up being – uh, I think this is more for the uh, tight end premium, the two tight end leagues, uh, st- guys that's, you know, owners that stream every single year that stream the position need to pay attention to Kittle. Uh, you know, maybe you draft him and if he doesn't do something, uh, significant in the first two or three weeks, maybe you cut him and, and pick up, uh, Austin, Safarian, Jenkins as, a, as your upside play, uh, just to see if he's, if he can blow up there at the end of September. Um, so that's where I'm at with this. I, I, I usually stay away from, from rookie uh, tight ends, but this guy is so cheap uh, and looks like he's poised to play maybe starter snaps. Uh, It's definitely somebody to pay attention to. He's back on the fantasy radar.
0: Uh, I drafted Jarvis Landry for for depth the other night in, in one of my drafts, and then I was super excited to see that this morning the NFL is reportedly investigating a domestic abuse allegation made against Jarvis Landry involving his girlfriend. Apparently, the girlfriend refused to press charges after the incident, so Landry was let, let off by police. Uh, the NFL is going to do their own investigation on this. Just wrap up. We'll wrap up the podcast with just some thoughts on Jarvis Landry, John.
1: Yeah, and apparently the NFL has a, a video in their possession which um, could exonerate or incriminate Landry. So he has this sort of hanging over his head, and I, I've noticed his ADP, uh, is, is falling or has fallen. I think that's mostly due to Jay Cutler being in at quarterback. Uh, Cutler has a reputation for, for targeting his bigger athletic, uh, receivers. Uh, he's thrown 16 passes, uh, in the preseason. Cutler has, uh, f- two of those were called back on, uh, penalty, but, five of those 16 went to Devonte parker uh only three of those 16 went to jarvis landry so in a very small sample uh that's a little bit worrisome for landry who's survived on that short volume uh game from from ryan Tannehill. now i still think he's going to be involved heavily involved in this offense that like he's playing uh, but on top of this now you have this uh investigation and the nfl is increasingly been harsh with these penalties. penalties uh they've gotten, they've gotten more, more severe, severe. took a lot, took a lot flack of flack to over the right right he's game suspension that uh they gave him, they gave him and uh, uh Elliot uh, six, six game suspension suspension if there's there's something similar going, going, going on going could, Landry. See, could see a, possibly a six game suspension uh hand, hand well not well, well, now, well now, so a submarine submarine is, his value, his value but, uh, uh, I, would, I would just a note of caution this, with Landry there's too much wide receiver value available in that fifth sixth round to to be blowing the dice here given the headache with Cutler and this whole thing uh with the NFL of
0: all right. That's all the time we have for today. John, great stuff as always. By the way, you can follow John on Twitter at 444 four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalzer. Next week, we will be back on Friday to take a look at week one, talk about any injury situations, maybe some sleepers that John has for week one. And then heading into week two, we go to our normal regular regular season schedule, which means we'll be doing a podcast on Mondays, and that's usually uh, kind of a recap and some thoughts on the games. And then on Friday, again, we do a little bit of a look forward. So next week, one podcast after that, we we start churning out podcasts twice a week. So appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And uh, good luck to all all people that are still drafting right now. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That's it for the It's The Most Accurate Podcast. I got something for you you wanna change I got something I got something for you, you